Alex, the week has come to an end, almost to an end. You know what? After this show, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to turn it all off and walk away. That seems like uh, the right way to approach this. You know, I mean, yeah, sure, there's like seven more hours of the workday, but ah, who gives a shit? Exactly. It's Friday. Yeah, yeah, as soon as unpro- that Unprofessional Friday starts on the West Coast, I kind of consider my day over. <laughs> yeah, there's not. I mean, it's not like there's really much else to do on the site at that point. If they're if they're on the couch drinking beer, then I should be on the couch drinking beer, even if I'm not <laughs> streaming that out to an audience. See, this is the bummer thing for me though, is that that starts at like six thirty my time. So yeah, the workday kind of has already wound down at that point, so I don't get that extra little you yeah. know bonus time. That's true. That's true. My life is a nightmare. How are uh, you doing? Aren't aren't all ours, Arl? Um, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. It's been, uh, I'm getting prepared for GDC, so there, I've been doing less on the on the site this week. Although I still managed to write two reviews. Uh, for yeah, for you did. Danganronpa and uh, another for Yoshi's New Island, which we'll get to in a in a little bit. But yeah, it's been preparing for GDC, which is weird because usually I'm in San Francisco for GDC. Now I'm in Chicago for GDC, and just trying to get my schedule in place, and then figuring out what the wider site wants to do uh, because you know I'm going after a bunch of interviews that don't really make sense for video or they're maybe part of like larger stories that I'm right. I'm working on for the future. Um, so I'm setting all that stuff up to happen during the day and then also working with uh, the guys in San Francisco for uh, our night shows of which there should be a couple, um, which I'm excited now, about. Are there- are there any names or uh, anything you can you can say out loud now, or no, would you prefer to keep all that no, a secret? I'll probably wait. I'll probably wait. I've all gotten right. a lot of tentative. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, we're still figuring out scheduling and things like that, but uh, makes sense. You know, as with most giant bomb things, you will see a lot of familiar faces. But I am excited. Uh, I guess I could say one of them. I could say that uh, it looks like we're going to have Jim Crawford, who is the developer of Frog Fractions, awesome um, on one of the nights, and uh, that's. If you haven't seen, there is a Kickstarter for Frog Fractions 2 uh, going on right now. And part of the genius of that Kickstarter is that the backers aren't going to know when the game is out. If you stumble upon or discover the game, he'll send you a code or reimburse you for uh, having purchased it. But he wants it to be a secret even to backers, which is unbelievable that's that is super weird and kind of awesome i really love it and if you go and do a couple of uh searches um it sounds like there are like in the kickstarter video there are some numbers that lead to websites about bread which then have prime numbers in the source code which then leads you to other websites so like the trail has already begun and the game's not coming out for 18 months oh man if this is just going to be like an elaborate breadcrumb trail that just go carries through the entire development process of that game, that is that is terrific. I don't think that's possible. That's a lot for one person to sustain, but who knows? I don't maybe But man, let him try cuz that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe we can get, you know, a better sense of what all of that means um at at GDC. I mean, what if you... Frog Fractions 2 is already done? What if that game is already finished and this is all just an elaborate ruse? Yeah, maybe maybe we're maybe we're playing Frog Fractions two right now. Yeah, it's an ARG. God, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that game is going to be. I'm excited to see how he follows it up, given the fact that he's announcing that he's making it. You know, part right. of the beauty of Frog Fractions was just sending a link to someone and being like, "Hey, hey, you should play this." 
So yeah. the fact that he's announcing, I'm making Frog Fractions 2, even though, of course, he's saying it's not going to be called Frog Fractions 2. It'll be called something else. He's just calling it Frog Fractions 2 for the purposes of marketing this Kickstarter. Um, I mean, it's it's great because it really sounds like his entire the entire Kickstarter is, look, give me this money so I can pay my rent and my basic needs for 18 months, and then you'll end up with a weird thing at the end of it, which is – that's simple. That's – I mean, that's the spirit of, you know, crowdfunded video games in general is the notion that, you know, you are paying me to live my life for the next several months, you know, months while I work on this thing. Yeah. And yeah. And so, you know, he's just doing that. It's going to be curious how Frog Fractions 2 works out simply because trying to follow up on like the game wasn't a one trick pony, but it was a game of tricks for sure. Right. Um, And Candy Box, I don't think worked at all. Uh, it's the second time around. It it did not hold the same luster, and just making the same thing but weirder and bigger didn't work at all, at least for me. Um, and Frog Fractions faces you know a similar dilemma, but it seems like the designer Jim Crawford is going about it in a bit of a, a smarter way so far by intentionally keeping a ton of mystery so that you're not quite sure where it's going. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it, if nothing else, you know that thing was. I don't even. I don't even know what I was going to say. I was basically saying I am very excited for more Frog Fractions. I thought that game was really neat, and the the rabbit hole that game tumbled down. Uh, the more you played it, the the cooler it got. So I'm I I trust that guy to do something interesting, creative with the sequel. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I you know what I don't thinking of it as a sequel is probably the wrong way to think about it. Yeah, he is making it is another, another game that will have the title Frog Fractions, but it might not have anything to do with what you played the first time and around. It probably won't have the title Frog Fractions. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So anyway, so that's that's I, I can yeah, I ended up booking that yesterday uh, for one of our nightly shows. So I'm excited cool. to have Jim amongst uh, many others who we are talking to now and figuring out people's busy night schedules. Uh, but we should have some really cool stuff, uh, and I'm uh, excited to see uh, what goes down. Um, I want to try and see if we can get me versus Chris Remo playing Spelunky, but that. That is something I have not explored, but I'll say it out loud so that I yeah. <laughs> will actually go. So basically, the it. challenge has been has been laid down like in public, so he has to respond at this yeah. point. Well, we mentioned no it on Twitter. We thought it would be fun. I just forgot about it until right now, but I think that would be fun to try and do on one of the nights. So we'll see if oh, we can gotta. make that happen. You um, what have you been playing this week? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, as far as like just you know, current video games sort of have been going. Uh, really, the only thing I've been playing is Titanfall. Uh, on and off since Tuesday once it launched. Uh, on and off only really because uh, I've had a hard time lining up schedules with friends to play, so I've mostly been playing public matches, and that is the goddamn worst. Mm-hmm. Um, for the exact reasons that any multiplayer shooter is kind of the worst once you know a million people start playing it. Like, within five minutes of my first match on Tuesday, uh, someone was talking about ramming his cock in me, and then, over uh, chat, and then, uh, I got teabagged, and I was like, you know what, this is why I don't play multiplayer shooters. Th- this is every reason I don't play multiplayer shooters distilled into a ten minute period. Right. And it just kind of kept on like that. Like, I eventually turned chat off, because, you know, I just don't want to listen to what anyone there has to say, but... People playing multiplayer shooters is the worst thing about multiplayer shooters, which I realize is sort of a conundrum, but that is the thing that always turns me off of playing those games. And if you don't have people that are dedicated to playing with you that you know and trust to not be complete dickheads, it's not a lot of fun. Um, Titanfall is a very fun game, 
but it has the same problem that I have with every other multiplayer game, which is people. So that has been uh, corralling me from playing a little bit lately. How, how fun is it when you're just jumping into the, you know, I mean, obviously people are dicks, you're turning off the voice chat, but when you're in the public matches and you're just kind of the lone wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No, I see what you're doing there. I'm, I'm not going to respond. Is it, is it fun? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, the game is, I I think, a lot of fun. Um, you know, there are a couple of modes I could give or take. Like, if I never play another Capture the Flag match in any game ever, <laughs> uh, I will be totally okay with that. Um, but, like, you know, the basic attrition and last Titan standing uh, and hard point capture modes are all really fun. Uh, once you take the voices and the stupidity out of the equation, like, the gameplay shines through. It's still, you know, really good time. Uh, not the sort of thing I want to play for really long stretches, because I feel like because it is kind of a thin game in terms of modes and features, like, it, you could burn out on that game real fast. Uh, like, there are people I've already seen that have, you know, gotten the, whatever the badge is, once you reach the level cap, like, two or three times over, and I just do not understand how that is a thing you would want to do by this point in the game's lifespan because I would be so bored with it by this point. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to be curious to see how the DLC is rolled out for that game uh, in yeah. terms of what they address, what they add to the game. Uh, I'm also super curious to see how they handle uh, the sequel. I know that it's, you know, maybe early to be talking about it, but probably not. Like, I, we are going to get a Titanfall 2. I am sure of that. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, you know what I? I wonder what shape that game is. I I have to imagine they have to be considering doing an actual single player campaign, unless this game is like such a wild success um, that that they kind of stick to their guns on that and then just pad out um, the the multiplayer end of it and just put more and more into that. But yeah. you know, I yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they address that. In the in the run up to a sequel, and then also what they put into a season pass. Because like from what you've played, like would you just want more, like more maps, or like how yeah how would you want? Well, I mean, I don't think I'd want much more out of the campaign because the campaign is kind of useless. I mean, I understand what they're going for. They're trying to you know craft a little bit of a story around uh you know just standard multiplayer, but the story they're crafting feels totally superfluous and doesn't mean anything. Like, it just gives you this weird framing device for the rest of the multiplayer of why these two factions are fighting, but it doesn't even do a particularly great job of that. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to add more, yeah, I guess it would just be more of the multiplayer stuff. More, Maybe a couple of new modes, uh, some more maps, definitely some newer weapons because the the guns... I've unlocked most of the, the pilot guns and... The weaponry for the for the Titans is more interesting, I think, but the guns, when you're just running around as a pilot, apart from the smart pistol, which I think is neat, but I kind of got over using it after, like, the first few hours, mm -hmm. uh, are pretty dull. Like, there, there's one gun that I like that works, and I never really want to touch any of the other ones. And only when I get those burn cards that give you, like, amped versions of other guns do I ever mess with them. And it's sort of like, yeah, these are cool, but I can just keep using this SMG, and I'm doing pretty well with it, so I don't really see the point. It's... The weapon selection is not very creative, which I'm a little bit surprised by. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely seems to be sort of the, the general impression of the game is that it's an, an excellent, iterative, polished uh, yep. take on uh, a concept that a lot of these developers were already familiar with and that they have done some interesting things to to remix it and to, to change it up. The mechs, you know, are a huge part of that. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of being like a 
modern warfare style like reshaping of a genre like doesn't seem like that but you know you can't, you can't expect a developer to do that every right. single time some developers only have that kind of impact once and to have the kind of impact that modern warfare did even just once is pretty astounding um uh, and so you know i'm definitely definitely curious to see where they where they take that for the rest of this game and, and leading up to the second game and also if they decide to do the second game you know do they do it in, a, in one year? Like, do they try and do a one-year turnaround so that they can have it on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and the PC and then probably drop the last-gen consoles at that point? Or do they give it a full two years uh, and then uh, come around for that? Um, in an ideal scenario, you know, they're they're supporting that this game with DLC for, like, a you know, close to a year. Yeah. And then they're putting out a sequel after that, you right. know, the year after that. But I don't know. I don't know what their deal is with EA. I don't know, like, what kind of, like, sequel contract they have, like, what the timetables are for any of that stuff. So I honestly have no idea. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you. I would definitely hope they would wait a little while before making a second one because I feel like a year-after-year year Titanfall dosage would be a little bit fatal because that that is not a franchise that needs like a million games in it to be interesting it just needs to kind of build on what it has and take its time because again that is a game that i could totally see myself burning out on really fast if i just kept playing it for hours on end i don't think i could last very long with it in that in that circumstance yeah i haven't uh, touched it at all yet uh i I've, I've wanted to but i've been uh like i said in the past i try and focus on Two games at once, uh, so that uh, I think a lot of people, especially in our line of work, have a tendency because you get access to a lot of games, you sort of just dabble on a bunch and never finish any of them. And so yeah. I, I really try and focus, and I, I only really play two games at once. Uh, so even though I've had that copy of freaking Dark Souls two, I've only played ninety minutes of it because right as soon as I picked it up, I was like, oh no, you can't just casually play Dark Souls two. Like, I really need to put all of my interest into Dark Souls 2, and I was yep. still in the middle of South Park. So I closed to Dark Souls 2, and then I uh, finished South Park last night. I texted you last night to try yep. to figure out where I was at, and I was about an hour away uh, from uh, from the finish line. Um, and Which it, means that by the time I texted you back, you were probably almost done. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I finished it out last night. Uh, I still might go through and... Uh, do some of uh, I think I have at least one or two side quests uh, that I can I can still do. It seems like you can still do them after you finish the game. Yes, you right? can. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I I saved it after the credits rolled and it and it pulled your character up again where you could uh, still walk around. So I I might finish that stuff up. And there's also you know that little bit for DLC. Although it seemed like so when I turned on my copy of South Park, uh, which is uh, on Steam and. For, it, set, it popped up one time when I was playing the game like, hey, you have the blah, blah, blah DLC pack, which was just a bunch of, like, starter weapons that were, like, level 2 and 3 that would have only been useful yeah. very early. Uh, I wonder if all the DLC is just going to be weapon packs and armor packs. Yeah. I hope not. Well, yeah, and it wouldn't make a lot of sense to put out any, like, high-level, you know, like, gear content for that game because it's not like there's more quests for you to do. Like, they need to, they need to add some story content in order for any of that that, that equipment to make sense. The, the the stuff you're talking about, I'm pretty sure, was pre-order bonus. Oh, okay. 
Um, that was like there was a code for that in the 360 copy I got for my girlfriend, and I didn't even see that stuff when I was playing it uh, on on the PC originally. So, so maybe the pre-order stuff eventually just unlocked for everyone at some point and stopped being a, a pre-order bonus or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's 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 my theory. So did you did you did you end up enjoying the South Park uh, as much as I did? Or yeah, yeah, close? and I got you know I got to say the some of the surprises they have in store for people who are familiar with uh, the series regarding certain characters uh yep. especially in that last area where <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it goes to some weird places at the very end there it does go to some really weird places at the end there yeah yeah that last major area before the final boss uh my wife was shaking her head the entire time <laughs> yeah i could not really blame her i was like yeah 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 it's the right response yeah, it's the right response yeah. um but well, good, you know, ge- generally speaking uh, even like taking away all the South Park stuff, uh, I I liked some of the the non combat ways that you could interact with the world in in South Park. Like the, it had nothing mm-hmm. to do with the humor or the characters or anything. Just your ability to kind of get around the environment, like mess around with enemies ahead of um, actually getting in combat with them. Uh, you know, the, the more that they added ways for you to do that. The less satisfying it became, I thought, because they didn't really effectively use a lot of them as it went forward. It was more just like, well, at the end, we're going to give you this fourth power, and then here's, like, two ways to use it before, you know, the yeah. game is over. Whereas it would have been, you know, I think it would have been just fine to have, like, half the amount of both both powers on, on both sides that you can pull up with uh, uh, the right bumper and the, and the left bumper. Um, and... And just use those in, in more creative ways. Um, yeah. But generally speaking, the idea of giving the player a lot of things to do outside of combat, especially towards the end of the game, if you're playing on normal and you're, you know, specking in, in any sort of... By specking, I mean, like, adding, like, the buffs to the, the right, weapon right. attributes and, and things like that. If, if you've, you figure out the combat about a third into the game, and then it's just a matter of, like, figuring out how to cast bleeding and... Uh, uh, gross out on enemies uh, throughout the rest of the game and just waiting for them to basically kill themselves. Um, yep. So when that happens, and you, if you don't bump it up to hard, then uh, if combat is less interesting but still fun, I like the environmental stuff quite a bit. It, it was it really yeah. added uh, a fun dynamic to ex- just exploring the world. Yeah, yeah. It has some of the best, like, just weird exploration mechanics I've, I've encountered in a game like that in a while. Like, you know, the, the whole thing with that game was that it was going to live and die by how much you wanted to be in its version of South Park, how much you wanted to poke around and find stuff and do stuff. And that is a game that I think is incredibly successful at one, making it really easy to get around and two, just being jam packed with weird, dumb, hidden stuff to find kind of everywhere. Like there, there are only a couple of buildings I think that don't have anything in them at all. And even if it is just like a dumb one-off gag, like we were talking about, on Monday, like, you know, the the guy fucking the horse or whatever, like, at least there's something there, and it's not often that you you you, you go through and you, you don't discover something. Like, even just the junk that you pick up, like, there's there's so many weird little tiny hidden references in that stuff that it's... It all felt very worthwhile to, to, to dig around and find everything. Yeah, I thought that was actually a pretty unique way to handle, like, a way of feeding you small amounts of currency, because the game... You should not... You never at any point have to grind in that game. Like, no. If you are just playing the required battles plus the like handful 
that you'll run into while walking around the map. Like you will hit the level cap like you know maybe 30 minutes before the the game finishes. Like pretty right. smoothly like you will run into that level cap which is uh, level 15 um, and you will you're going to be perfectly fine and suited for um, for for finishing the game and any of the side bosses that come up. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I you know like the junk is, is a way of feeding you currency so that you don't have to grind really in order to get money because the enemies, you know, drop a lot of junk. But the fact that, like, there's lots of unique junk that is a one-off, it's not even a joke, it's just a reference that yeah. if you're not a huge South Park fan, it's not going to mean anything to you, but also why are you playing this game. Um, and if you are, you know, a South Park fan or have watched the show, even if you aren't a fan, if you just have seen the show, you pick up... Lots of really like funny references in each of those pieces of junk that I think is just a really yep. effective use of a, a crappy RPG trope that is there for balancing purposes, and they just manage to squeeze in something there that makes it worth looking at every time you're looking through a pile of trash. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, I had a point there that I was going to make. I can't remember all of a sudden, but uh, I was just going to say it, it makes it so that the script isn't doesn't have to be jam packed with those references. Like you can it, you can put that stuff off to the side and let people go like point at stuff and go, oh, I remember that. I remember Cartman's mom's dildo and all that stuff, uh, without having to make the script itself just a million long references to things that already happened in the show. That's the thing that tends to bog down uh game adaptations of, of shows like that is the need to sort of like placate the audience by showing things them that they remember versus like actually writing something kind of original around what you're supposed to be doing and i think south park manages to balance that stuff really well by mostly taking all that referential shit and kind of putting it off to the side where people can just easily find it without ruining the script with it yeah yeah and you know by the end of it you know i would love to see those guys make another game. I don't yeah. know how they can make another South Park game. I it's yeah. It's hard to imagine them. They seem like they use every trick in the book and every reference in the book in this game. Yeah, I'd love to see if they had any interest in doing something original. Um, I think that would be if 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 Mastone and Trey Parker decided they wanted to return to games for any reason. Uh, although reading the interviews, it sounds like this was exhausting and maybe was just part of their one-off exploration of other mediums before they just kind of go back to what they're comfortable to. But if they did, I would kind of hope it was not South Park and something completely original. Plus also just it they seem to have exhausted everything by the end of it. Uh, I, I just oh, yeah. don't know how you would make another game set in South Park uh, I mean, maybe they could, and you know, those guys are certainly creative enough to probably pull it off and surprise me. But it really felt like this was the South Park game that needed to be made, or they wanted to make, and they closed the book on it in a in a pretty satisfying fashion by the end of it. Yep. Yeah, I I, I don't need them to make another game just like this. I'd rather that they. I mean, I don't know. I might just be totally making this up in my own head, but I feel like I remember them saying that they're not going to be doing the South Park show for too much longer. Hmm. Like, they probably don't have a shit ton more seasons of that in them, so I don't know, maybe once they're done with that, they could actually just, you know, put that effort toward trying to create an original game project if they really wanted to. That would be interesting to me, I agree. Yeah, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing if there's any DLC. I, I have to imagine, considering all the cut material, that, you know, there's, I, I'm hoping there's going to be some side areas. I don't, here's a question. You don't have to mm -hmm. answer this uh, truthfully, because it might be uh, slightly of a spoiler, but 
so when you finally go into the lost forest in mm-hmm. uh, the stick of truth, which is a bunch of BS, uh, mm-hmm. is there like a solution to that or is it just wandering and then you just happen to find your way out? Uh, I never found that solution if it existed, uh, other than the, you know, the one place that you have to go through the Lost Forest to get to, uh, uh, there, I never really found any other use for it. And if there is one, I haven't discovered it. Maybe someone way more, uh, insane than I am will take the time to try and figure it out and see if there is something. But, uh, all I ever found was a lot of random enemies to fight. Uh, wandering around there is how my character got dire aids. Uh, which doesn't go away. Yeah, I got I got that in Canada. Uh, yeah, and so, yes, once you once you are uh, afflicted, uh, once you contract dire AIDS, it is a permanent health detriment that uh, plays out uh, each turn. Uh, a very you know a small amount. It's not you know gonna, like going to kill you, but there's no as far as I know no way to get rid of that. Yeah, I couldn't f- find one to get rid of it. So that 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 was sort of my my moment where I was like, all right, you know what? I don't really want to wander around here anymore. <laughs> That just doesn't seem worthwhile. Um, so that's a pretty, that. it's a pretty fucked up thing to afflict on on your character. Uh, is also reflective of you know, Matt Stone and Trey Parker's sense of offensive humor and the fact yeah. that you can't get rid of it is, it's something else. Uh, I got yeah. it towards the end of the game, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it is, yeah. That's a game. Yeah. That's a video game. So you finished that. Uh, you were also playing through Yoshi's Island. Which, new uh, Island. Which you also reviewed. N- yeah, Yoshi's New Island for oh, the 3DS. Oh, the chat is saying there's a cure in Canada. Oh, is there? Okay. Interesting. The doctors in Canada. Right, because Canada has a better health care system than America. That would make sense. That's that's a good joke. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, I got out of Canada as soon as I could, so I wasn't, I wasn't sticking around that place. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so I was playing Yoshi's New Island uh, this week, uh, which there's a review up on the site in which I gave the game uh, three stars because it's it's not bad, but it's not by Nintendo platforming standards, especially mm-hmm. uh, some of the ones they've produced recently, both uh, internally over uh, in Japan and over at Retro with Donkey Kong. Uh, it's it's a disappointment. Uh, I, don't, I don't expect... I didn't expect that this was going to be hardcore on the level of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which, like, from the very get-go is, hey, this is a balls-hard platformer. Like, you, if you've played a lot of these, you're going to enjoy this, but we're going to kick your ass from the moment this game begins and never let up. Uh, That's what Donkey Kong is. Didn't expect that from Yoshi's New Island. I expected sort of the arc that we've been seeing in a lot of Mario games, especially the the 3D world and 3D land, uh, in which you... Play like the first four worlds in which uh, it's it's pretty it's not uh, not fun but they're they're pretty easy like you're enjoying the mechanics mm-hmm. and discovering things of the world but you're not being challenged too much uh, and then at some point the game says look we're leaving all those other people behind we you, you c- come along with us on this journey we're going to now kick your ass and we're going to really challenge your ability to to play this game and exploit the mechanics in order to not only complete the levels, but to find everything in them. Uh, and that does happen in Yoshi's New Island, but it only happens in the last world, and there are only right. six worlds. So the game is relatively short uh, compared to uh, other uh, Nintendo platformers, which inherently, you know, in and of itself is not that bad. But the fact that only the last world was the one where I was truly enjoying myself was yeah. 
both an unfortunate tease because it, it really did feel like this team was capable of producing the game I was hoping for. They just either decided to or were asked to uh, keep that all for the end game uh, and, and not for uh, the rest of it. Uh, so unfortunately, it's a, it's a game that's, you know, pro- totally competent, like, yeah. like well-made, just pretty pedestrian and average, especially by Nintendo standards. And I hold them to a really high standard for games like this, especially if they're going to uh, invoke Yoshi's Island, which is uh, a game that, uh, unlike that monster, Jeff Gersman, uh, I enjoy very much. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know why you wouldn't, because Nintendo has, you know, the longest history of making really great platformers. I mean, they've made some pedestrian ones, too, but they rarely make bad ones, and they make far more good ones than they make pedestrian ones. So it... I don't know. The thing with this game, though, is that it never seemed like Nintendo was ever that excited about it. Like, they would talk about it, and it's like, hey, cool, we're making another Yoshi's Island thing. But it always seemed like to be kind of an afterthought in in every bit of promotion they did for, you know, their their Nintendo Directs and other sort of uh, promotional events. And it never seemed like a game they had a whole hell of a lot of confidence in. And it seems like maybe that kind of shows in the final product, where it's just sort of like, here's this game, it's pretty cute, it's fun, and really only that interesting in the last level. Yeah, and, and you know, if this is meant to be targeted at kids, you know, then, you know, I, I actually think this would be a great platform for, for kids. Like, I, I think it's it has a, a pretty easy skill arc. Uh, it's it's not very challenging. I think by the end I had something like 150 lives. Like, I only died... I think the only times I really died Yeesh. in the game, with the exception of, like, once or twice, was uh, when I was purposely dying in order to go back through a section and try and collect all the red coins or the flowers, uh, things that I had, had missed on my way through a certain section. Uh, it is right. not a game that, uh, even in the final world where uh, it does become challenging, I wasn't really dying, but what the game was requiring me to do was to really take into account the flying physics and uh, how the uh, the eggs can be shot around the world, not just to collect things, but to all, just to progress. And it really forced you to juggle a lot of things at once, which was really enjoyable. And and when it happened, I had this moment of like, well, I'm finishing this on like Wednesday night. I have to, or if, Tuesday night, I have to review yeah. this on Wednesday because the embargo is up on Thursday morning. I was like, oh shit! Like if this game has six more worlds. I am not in a comfortable position to ha- to finish all of those in time to also write the review. Uh, and as it, it turned out, you know, there there isn't uh, another uh, set of six worlds. It's, right. I was kind of hoping the game was going to, to be a, a scenario of, uh, all right, hey, here's this last world. You're going to get a bunch of this real soon. Get excited. There's none of that. Uh, there are secret stages, and secret stages in Yoshi's Island were some of the more challenging, fun ones, but it does require you to collect everything in every yeah. single stage of a world. And there are three collectibles in each stage in Yoshi's Island, and this is true of Yoshi's New Island. Uh, you are collecting uh, little stars that count down when you've been uh, touched by an enemy and Baby Mario is off screaming. Uh, you have red coins, and you have flowers. Uh, and those are all yeah. unlocked in different ways, and you have to collect all of those in a particular world to get the secret stage. Uh, I was unable to find everything in 1-2, so I just sort of gave up on this notion of finding everything. Uh, but that—that that is the one thing that Yoshi's New Island gets pretty right, uh, is that if you in Yoshi's Island, which is also not a particularly challenging game, uh, except mm-hmm. in certain stages and later on, uh, but it has a real sense of exploration in which if you just go from left to right and just see what the world the game is offering on sort of the path to the exit, you're going to be missing out on a lot of what makes 
the level design in that original game and also in this new game uh, more interesting than your average platformer uh, because they are yeah. hiding objects around the world that either require you to use uh, the egg shots in interesting ways or require you to physically move your character over a spot in the world, which will then unlock a little cloud that you can shoot. Um, so if you're just going left to right, uh, you're going to miss out on uh, what the designers have hidden. Uh, it's done uh, more interestingly in Yoshi's Island than it is in Yoshi's New Island, but they do get closer to nailing that aspect, uh, which is something I enjoyed in Yoshi's Island and is, is present in, in the new game. But uh, it's... You know, and then on top of all, it's just not very good to you know to look at. It's it really yeah. feels. I think the line I used in my review was like an adult chasing after the recklessness of his youth. Um, you know, Yoshi's Island is a inspired, uh, reactionary, uh, visual uh, style that was uh, purposely done and and chased after by Miyamoto because of what was happening at Rare with Donkey Kong Country uh, and the CG that was sort of uh, present. Um, in those games at the end of the SNES's life cycle. And this game like looks like Yoshi's Island, but when you look at screenshots and video of Yoshi's Island, like it's very clear that one it has like a very clear uh, art direction. And this one is just sort of like, I don't know, it kind of looks like crayons and sketchy stuff. It just yeah. uh, it just doesn't work very well. Yeah, someone I saw described it as looking like a bad CD-ROM game from, like, the early to mid-90s, and that, that description has stuck with me kind of forever. Like, I can't not look at it and go, God, that looks like a horrible CDI game or something. Um, it's too bad, because I, I like you. I'm on I'm on Team Original Yoshi's Island. I still think that game is pretty great. Though The one thing in your review I would like to take umbrage with mm -hmm. is the notion that nobody liked Yoshi's Island for the DS, because there are actually some extremely passionate vocal people who love the shit out of the game, including GameSpot's former writer Frank Provo, who gave that game like a nine. That's fine. And Jeff tried, Jeff tried to yell at him down to to get that score down, but he would not budge on that one. I, you know what? I I did not care for it. I thought it was uh, pretty average and and not. I thought the dual screen stuff was interesting. I thought they yeah. you know were were trying definitely playing with some interesting mechanics there. It didn't click for me. But um, I, I don't – these people, they're cropping up being like, hey, man, Yoshi's story was pretty good. Like, who, who are you? Who are I don't, those people? Those people I, I don't understand at all. Yeah, I even, I I can't, even I can't get on board with that, you guys. Uh, I will say yeah. the vast majority of those people seem to caveat their opinions like, well, when I played it when I was seven, it was pretty good. So I don't know why you're getting all up on Yoshi's story's case. Like, hey, maybe, maybe go back and play that. I went back and yeah. played Yoshi's Island. I went back with fresh eyes, and that game is still killer. Uh, yeah. Yoshi's Story is a blurry – it's got some interesting ideas. It's got a branching path idea for to level design uh, in which high scores determine how you get to different stages. Like, that's that's cool. Like, I, I think that's an interesting idea, but uh, – ah, uh, Yoshi's Story. I had a nickel. That a nickel for every game I thought was great when I was seven that turned out not to be so great when I was way older than seven. Uh, I would have at least several hundred dollars. That that you can't you can't go by that kind of nostalgia. You can't trust that kind of nostalgia because it will lie to you. It will deceive you. It will make you think things that are not true, like the idea that Yoshi's Story is somehow a worthwhile game. Yoshi's Story. I remember no. being no. God, that was one of the worst purchases I made. Uh, as a kid because man i beat that game in like an hour and it was really depressing yeah 
I mean, I don't think as a kid I quite understood the mechanics. Uh, you know, I later I've looked it up and, and played it and decided that I don't care for it. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, that was a real bummer of a game at the time. Uh, was like my mom was not very happy with my spending of my $60. or Actually, that game was probably much more than $60 at the time. Yoshi's Story was probably some N64 games were like 80 or $90. Oh, uh, I remember that, yeah. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, the, the pricing was not fixed for a lot of those cartridge-based games. Like, it seemed to have a lot to do with, like, how much RAM they tried to jam into each cartridge. Or sometimes it seemed totally arbitrary. There were at least a couple of games I remember that were, like, $100. Yeah. And that was nuts. Um. So, yeah. So, that's Yoshi's New Island. Uh, there's, you know, I. it's not, like I said, it's not terrible. Uh, it, yeah. But it's not great. Um, I enjoyed my time with it. But in terms of being... You know, a proper sequel to, to Yoshi's Island. Uh, it feels like it takes inspiration without knowing what to do with it. It has a lot of the elements of Yoshi's Island without really... It just feels like, hey, we got to have this in here, right? Of course, yeah. they don't even put in Touch Fuzzy Get Dizzy, which would be like, duh, for a yeah. sequel in 3D. Like, that could look incredible in 3D. Maybe it's a secret stage, but it's not in one of the normal stages, and... Yeah, that bummed me out, and yeah, I just feel they have all these different elements. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that, and then it disappears. They don't layer the mechanics in a way that feels interesting, nor did, does it feel like they are put there for any other reason than to just be like, yep, that's there too. Uh, it's not there because they were like, oh, we we want to do this and this and this with it. Uh, it feels very much a me too sort of game, uh, in which you know they're it's a like a it's a bad cover song. It like yeah. it's. You enjoy the song because on some level the song you like is there, but it's being played very poorly. Um, and, and that's kind of how I feel about uh, Yoshi's New Island. So, bums me that out. That is a bummer. It is definitely a bummer. Uh, it's it's not something I'd recommend people run out and purchase. Maybe if there's a sale on Ye Old eShop, uh, it might be worth checking out down the line. But you know what? You should probably just go play Mario 3D Land again because that is a terrific game. And Yoshi's New Island, eh, probably not, not worth so your time. Um, well, that's a bummer. So, uh, yeah, I finished that, uh, played that. Don't intend to look back on that again. Uh, and I, like I said, I've played 90 minutes of Dark Souls 2. I mm-hmm. managed to fall off, like, the first ledge in the game because I rolled in the wrong direction. And got Good. <laughs> Good work, Patrick. I mean, it's great. I... If you haven't played Dark Souls 2 yet, I don't want to spoil what the first achievement or trophy unlock is, but let's just say it's related to doing something dumb like that. Uh, it's pretty great. and So I, I played through basically the opening area. There's a tutorial section that you can skip if you just run straight, and then you can go through the to the first real area of the game. Uh, but I, I went ahead and, and went through the tutorial uh, mostly because uh, it's been uh, like two months since I played uh, Dark Souls 1. In Dark Souls 1, I played on the PC with an Xbox controller, and I'm having a hard time adjusting to the PS3 controller. I don't like the PS3 controller at all. I mm-hmm. really, really dislike the PS3 controller. Uh, I like the PS4 controller a lot more, and you can use that, and apparently it works uh, perfect with Dark Souls 2, but the PS4 controller doesn't work wirelessly over a PS3, which is not a big surprise, um, which means I need to get a USB extender, uh, which I don't own. Uh, for uh, the controller because my PS4 or PS3 is hooked up to the TV, which is, you know, 
a pretty far distance from where I'm sitting comfortably on my couch to play the game. So I need to. I ordered a USB extender over Amazon uh, that'll get here when I'm back from GDC, uh, so I can I can use the PS4 controller, which I is a much much better controller. Uh, yes, than it that. is. And I'm, I, I know there are solutions to using the 360 controller on the PS3, which I guess I could explore if I wanted to. But I think I'm actually just gonna try and stick with the PS4 controller because I do even prefer that to the Xbox One uh, controller. So I'm gonna get a yeah, USB I... cord uh, and get set up for that. But uh, yeah, you know, probably the first Dark thing Souls. I'd say about Dark Souls 2 is that I. I kind of wish I was playing the PC version. Uh, it doesn't sure. look bad, but I played through Dark Souls 1 on the PC, uh, which looked fan-freaking-tastic because the art style in those games is wonderful, and they seem mostly held back by From Software's technical uh, constraints on their end uh, to display those. And naturally, the PC and the resolution makes that art pop uh, in, in a way that uh, doesn't come uh, across on the consoles. And... Yeah, the PS3 version, like, right out of the gate, like, just has, like, some real serious frame rate issues, which I know everyone experienced when they played Dark Souls on the consoles. Both 360 and PS3 had uh, frame rate issues. But after playing the PC version, uh, which I played not with a 60 frames uh, per second trick unlocked because that destroys some of the physics of the game. I stuck to Mm -hmm. kind of a solid 30. But, man, it was ultra smooth, looked great, and really am tempted to wait for the PC version, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to try and uh, continue to play the PS3 version of the game. Um, don't think about it as being bummed by how bad it looks on, you know, current-gen hardware or whatever, you know, for Dark Souls tool. Think about how great the Dark Souls 3 is going to look on next-gen or current-gen hardware. Like, think about how... Just think in the future, and that, that maybe that'll take some of the sting off. Yeah. It, well, it's just... It's a really weird feeling when I'm playing Dark Souls 2 and, like, if you if you point the camera at the ground and just spin mm-hmm. it around, it's 60 frames a second. <laughs> and and then you tilt it up, and it's like chunk 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 chunk. It's it's right. really only like teens frame rate in like you know certain sections, but ah, uh, it's it's just it's yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer. But I'm I'm over it. I will adjust to it. Uh, I I really want to play the game. I don't want to wait. Um, and I haven't made it to the first major boss, but I love that if you're going through the tutorial section, you encounter your first enemy, and then the game, you like, he's already really tough. I wasn't really equipped for him. Like, I had to do a lot of running around and, and, and shooting my arrows because I'm kind of currently playing uh, uh, a sort of ranged class that uh, has an axe up front, um, but then also is able to attack with arrows from a distance. Uh, and then, of course, the game has secretly hiding another one of those enemies right behind you who just came from behind and smacked the shit out of me. Jesus Uh, Christ. So it was very much like, yep, this is Dark Souls. Uh, I'm looking forward to to exploring more of it. But part of the reason I wanted to finish South Park was because Dark Souls is not a game you can really split your time on. And if I finished South Park, that means when I come back from GDC, although I am tempted to bring my PS3 with me, to San Francisco because I'm probably going to be most hotels these days have nice HDTVs and uh, I'm probably not doing anything on Saturday night when I get there. Um, I'm tempted to bring it with me, but that seems stupid. That seems ridiculous. For one night too. I mean, you're going to spend most of those nights. You're going to have things going on. You're not right, going to have probably going to end up doing something on Saturday night, even though I'm like trying to stay inside and, and be well rested for uh, my talk on Sunday. But uh, I, yeah, I just I'm really excited to play it, and um, 
I'm just think how much more excited you'll be when you get back because you'll have that 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 intense like desire through the entire week of GDC that 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 thing pulling at you that like god damn it I just wish I was playing this right now you'll be in the office where probably Brad will be playing it at some point and you'll be super pissed that you aren't playing it yeah. and then when you get home you'll be really excited yeah so yeah I get home on Friday night and uh, I plan to basically spend my entire uh, weekend uh, playing that and Considering Good. taking Monday off because it'll be a long week and I'm going to need a break, um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll do that and dig into that game. But yeah, so wish I had more to say about Dark Souls 2, but uh, I'm I'm excited to play it and I'll have more to say you know a week from now. But unfortunately, uh, South Park took precedent while uh, Yoshi's New Island took my other free time. But at least I'm in it. I feel like I'm keeping pace. I feel like I'm not yeah. falling behind too much with the games I really want to spend time with, like Titanfall. It's always going to be there, and it's a multiplayer game, so I'm not too worried about. I can get back to that at any point, and I'll feel okay about that. Um, and I do. What if play- Titanfall isn't there? What if it's not there tomorrow? I what guess- if it just goes away? What if Titanfall disappears? What if it dies? It's possible. You can't. You cannot rely on things to just always be there. You never know what might happen. It's true. It's true. And uh, and then I'll be back just in time for Infamous Second Son, uh, which I hope that's good. I I I do too. I liked the first game more than the second game. I think I'm trying to I think remember. That's a my, lot of people. I'm trying to remember my way. thoughts on, on the infamous games, but uh, yeah, uh, I do. Re- I did generally like those games, and the new one looks visually incredible. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to playing that. So cool. That's what I've been doing this week. Uh, it is already 10:20. We've been playing a yeah. lot of games this week. Uh, why don't we? People want to drop some questions in. We'll uh, address some of those as we wind towards the end of the show. Uh, and as we talk about some news, um, mm-hmm. there's a new Crazy Taxi out for iOS. Crazy Taxi Why? City Rush, free to play. Uh, but uh, Kenji Kano, who created the original arcade game, is the executive producer on this. So maybe? Have you tried to play Crazy Taxi at all in like the last like eight years? It's it's. It's probably not great outside of an arcade set. I don't think that game was ever all that great outside of an arcade setting. Like I enjoyed no. the Xbox version and the or the Dreamcast version. The uh, Dreamcast version was the one they, I played. Yeah, they put out. Um, but Crazy Taxi, like the concept, just doesn't really work outside of like putting in another quarter and and at least it didn't for me. I, it didn't really hold up that much outside of the Dreamcast version. Like that was like the one and done. Like I I loved that game so much that I was willing to invest time and I was into the offspring at the time. So I didn't man, I didn't, it didn't matter that that's what you were listening to on the soundtrack most of the time. Uh, yep. but like, I didn't, I don't know. I've never really felt like I needed to play another crazy taxi. And I have to assume the controls for this are tilt, which maybe that could that, work, but I don't know. That, that sounds bad. Work. Yeah. I don't know. I just, that's one of those games that definitely like it, it was perfect for its time because it was it came on the Dreamcast like right at the beginning when it needed games and it was something that was definitely amusing uh, before other games came to that system. But yeah, outside of an arcade, like there's really not much point to, to, to Crazy Taxi. And you know, I'm sure I maybe the iOS version makes some tweaks to try and make it more palatable. But like that is like not one of those franchises that I've had any desire to revisit in the last like seven or eight years. No. Uh, Ritzky Brat points out in the chat that uh, the iOS port of the original game is free today. So I guess if you want to play that, you can. I don't know if that's a good version of the game, but. Someone says, let's just agree that Crazy Taxi is one of the best games ever and let them talk. You, you're lying. You were lying to yourself. Good game though. It's a 
really good game. It mostly just yeah. makes me bummed about... Like, I mean, Sega seems to be kind of turning themselves around a little bit. They seem to be kind of figuring out their way in, in the modern era. But, man, Sega made a lot of kick-ass video games back during that time. They did. They made some good stuff. Where is my new decent Jet Set Radio? God That's a fair point. Uh, Campo Santo mm-hmm. announced what their first game is going to be. Yeah. Firewatch. Yeah, Firewatch. So, which uh, is a first-person exploration-type game with the mystery attached where you play a character who Henry. is one of those dudes in those fire control towers in, like, you know, the vast stretches of wilderness. This case, uh, Wyoming, which is not a setting you see done in games very often. No, uh, but apparently really uh, cool. Nels Anderson, who's the lead designer on um, uh, Mark of the Ninja, and Sean Van yep. who uh, was a co-lead on The Walking Dead Season 1 and is you know one of the leads on uh, this new game, Firewatch, uh, they both grew up or spent significant time in Wyoming. So I yeah. think that is part of why they are uh, drawing inspiration from that. Or maybe it was Jake Rock. I don't know. But there's Wyoming, Wyoming blood in uh, Campo Santo, which I think explains why they're visiting a pretty no, unique No, I, I went to elementary school with Jake, so that, okay, that is right. he did not grow up in Wyoming. You're right. You're right. I, f- I always forget that. So I think that's Sean then. But um, yeah. yeah, that's I'm, I'm surprised it's first person. Uh, I'll say yeah. that. Uh, I wouldn't have been shocked if uh, the game ended up looking quite a bit like a Telltale adventure game. Sure. Uh, that, But, you know, I had no idea uh, what exactly uh, they were going for. But I'm, I'm sort of genuinely surprised it's first person, but I think that's interesting. Um, not surprised that they're going for a narrative-focused game. Um, uh, but I am going to be curious to see... Like, Nels Anderson is a guy who comes from uh, more of a systems background. You know, work, mm-hmm. you know, Mark of the Ninja has a lot of, you know, intricate mechanics that play along e- each other, you know, AI um, and, 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 and combat. And does that mean this game is going to have any of that stuff? Is this game going to be just dialogue and conversation and exploration? I, I don't know. It's really too early to say. And they've, you know, said on their website that they're being purposely vague about more elements of the game, partially because it's a mystery. So they right. want to maintain a sense of that for the story. But I am definitely super curious to learn more about what they're planning mechanically uh, in, in terms of what they're going to allow the player to do. Because you have to assume it mentions in uh, on the website that um, it's been a dry season. So yeah. you have to imagine a major conflict is going to be fire. And so I wonder if there are actually going to be systemic design elements that involve you you know, making some harsh choices about how you mm-hmm. decide to tackle dealing with this fire. And probably well, and they talk they talk a little bit about how there's your only communication with the outside world is this radio voice, this woman that you talk to, and I guess like some of the choices you have to make like directly impact your relationship and how you you interact with her throughout the game. So that seems. I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly how the fire stuff is going to work, but it makes it sound a, like the, the description of the game on the page makes it sound like it's a little bit more mysterious and like there's like a whole abandoned town element to it uh so i I get the impression it's going to be a lot of different things kind of mixing in there not just about like some arsonist running around setting fires yeah so we'll see not a lot to say about the game yet but the talent involved uh makes me very excited to see what they do and the idea of an entire video game with art by ali moss oh hell yeah that sounds that's i think it was uh there was someone on twitter just saying like that's op that's just too much. The fact yep. that you got Ali Moss doing all your art is uh, is ridiculous. And I and even I, just like the little the little tidbits they've shown look really cool. So I'm I'm very excited for that one. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking. Uh, it sounds like we'll 
probably have those guys floating around for some GDC stuff as well. Cool. So uh, we'll see what we can extract from them about Firewatch. Uh, but they've said it's coming out uh, next year sometime. Uh, it's coming out for PC, Mac, and Linux. Um, and they're looking at consoles, but uh, they're a small team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of follow the gone home route of coming out, making their mark, um, hopefully a good one, uh, on uh, the PC side, and then partnering up with someone to put that uh, game out on consoles at a later date. But Yeah, that would make sense. We'll see. I'm excited to see uh, well, what else uh, what else they do. They could probably sell all the wallpaper in that game as posters, uh, I expect. Yeah. <laughs> I would think so. If the game if the game turns out to be terrible, I guess their backup business model is to just sell uh, the game's art as posters. Yeah, that's that's not a bad backup plan. You saw the T-shirt that they put up uh, in their merch store that's just video games with the combination mm-hmm. of the Mountain Dew and Doritos logos. Yes. Yep, that's that's pretty good. And they already pretty sold out good. of their first poster. Um, of course they did. Uh, that went up alongside the website, uh, but they had put out an Ollie Moss uh, Firewatch. Uh, sort of like advertising the group that you can be a part of. Uh, it was sort of like a, a marketing thing. Uh, and that's, of course, already sold out because Ali Moss stuff <gasps> always sells out. Yep. Uh, speaking of uh, first-person walking simulators, mm-hmm. uh, Gone Home is coming to consoles thanks to uh, publisher Midnight City. Do I recall that correctly? That is that correct. The ones? That's correct. Yeah, okay. they're uh, bringing uh, Gone Home to consoles. And what was the other thing they announced this week? Uh, uh, Costume Quest 2. Yeah. Right. Which I really liked Costume Quest. I did too. I reviewed it. I, I enjoyed that game a lot. It had a really cool... Like, when you're talking about games for kids, you know, sure, like, yeah, that was definitely, like, a game that was, you know, simplified in a lot of ways, uh, sort of a my first RPG kind of way. But that was one of the... That game had an incredible, like, childish spirit to it. Like, the whole candy collection thing and just sort of, like, the, the crazy imaginary characters that the, the, the kids would dream up to, to fight with. Like, that, that game... That game was super, super cute in a way that I I really adored, even if it was pretty, you know, the combat could get pretty simple and repetitive. So I am very excited to see what they would do with that. That's the part that I I hope is is where a lot of the thought is going into Costume Quest 2 is. uh, The first one was exceedingly charming. Uh, It was one of the first games that I got all of the achievements for. Like, I just didn't want to leave that little world. And the DLC was great, too. They put out a little story DLC. Um, mm-hmm. I got everything in that as well. Uh, I just really, really enjoyed uh, wandering around, but uh, and the combat was you know perfectly serviceable. But like in in the ways that like South Park, like you could just kind of exploit certain parts of the combat mechanics and just sort of coast through uh, yeah. the end of it. Uh, like in South Park, like speed potions, like the ability yeah. to give yourself the uh, the chance to attack twice so that you come a bleeding X five on every character. Just like well. Just don't die, and they'll bleed themselves to death in, in a couple of rounds. Uh, Costume Quest, just the game kind of rolled over, and actually just didn't have a whole lot for you to do, mechanically speaking, right? Uh, uh, with, the, with the combat. So I'm hoping, you know, I don't expect them to turn it into a really complicated RPG, but I just hope there's a little more variety uh, to make that part of the game more exciting. Yeah, it just needs more attacks, more things that you can do in combat to sort of, ch- and and obviously enemies that maybe require a little bit more strategy than just you know spamming the same attacks again and again. Uh, that that would definitely go a long way to curing any ails that that first game had. But you know, regardless, like just another, even if it does end up just being kind of the same thing again, like that'll be disappointing. But I'm willing and ready to revisit that world again because. I thought it was so adorable, and those two kids were so cute, and the whole 
like just the whole premise of the game was really great and i just i'm i'm ready to try that again and hopefully they will flesh it out a little bit more this time yeah yeah i think it's a terrific game for them to make a sequel to i think it is is of those games they're making in sort of that era of double fine it is the one the most ripe for a sequel uh there's just a lot of stuff when you played that game that was like okay i yep i can see how they would definitely approach this a second time uh i don't know if the sequel is going to be more ambitious or if it's going to be as sort of focused in scope uh, I don't. i don't need it to be an epic rpg experience i just i think like you said uh they could kind of do the same thing and i'd probably be pretty okay with it but i'd really yeah. love to see if they if they added just uh, just pure variety to to the combat in in some way so totally i'm excited they're making costume quest 2 uh that is same that is a super exciting development and basically one of the last things i expected to hear Uh, totally that's not a game i expected to see a sequel to and that's uh that's cool i'm actually talking to uh casey lynch who is sort of the uh, creative head of uh, midnight city and uh, a former uh, games writer um and Mm -hmm. he was uh, heading up ign i think as their eic for a little while there but now he's doing midnight city um, so I, I booked some time with him, and we'll be chatting about what they're up to um, at GDC sometime. So look also forward to that. Also a former uh, PR executive at uh, Reverb Communications he's done, back when yeah, I was working on Rock he's Band. He's done kind of everything. Um, yeah, he has. But so he's he, also one of the best. So Yeah, dude, Casey, Casey's a good guy. Cool stuff. So I mean, you know, as shown by the fact that he's <laughs> spending his money to fund a game like Costume Quest 2. Yeah, um, that's, totally. You know, as soon as I saw that, that pushed me over the edge. I was like, all right, I need to... I need to see what this madman is up to spending all this money on games like Costume Quest 2. <laughs> Absolutely. And hopefully this eventually leads to stacking too, because that's the one I'm actually also super hopeful for at some point. Yeah, that could that could definitely uh, be something that would make sense too. Uh, Shovel Knight pushed back a couple of weeks. Uh, sounds mm-hmm. like the, the game is basically done, uh, but they mentioned that in order to launch the game on everything at once, they are just uh, there are more logistical hurdles in terms of basically paperwork and other BS uh, that comes alongside uh, publishing things on uh, platforms that aren't Steam. So uh, that's coming a little bit later in April. Uh, I'm not too bummed about that. Uh, April was uh, not as packed as March, and uh, that just gives me some breathing room because Shovel Knight's definitely a game that uh, I want to play. So it coming out in April... Uh, is is not a bad thing by my estimation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a slight delay at best, and that's that's totally fine. Uh, slightly more disappointing was the news that uh, The Witcher 3 is now delayed to February 2015. Yeah. Uh, that always seemed a little bit dicey as a 2014 release, because for what they showed at E3 last year, they haven't really shown a whole lot of it since then. Uh, so I guess that's not horribly surprising. It is kind of a bummer, though, because that is definitely one of the, uh, the games I have been most looking forward to, uh, since I first got my first glimpse of it. Uh, but again, that E3 demo they showed was pretty fucking incredible. Um, and, you know, as, as someone who has tried and periodically failed, mostly failed, actually, to, to get into the previous Witcher games, this seemed like one that I might finally be able to kind of dig into, and unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until February to do it, which sucks. It seems to make more sense for a lot of reasons, uh, even mm-hmm. if the game could have shipped this fall. Um, yeah. The Witcher, while I, I played The Witcher 2, loved it. Great game. Great, great game. Um I'd been meaning to go back to The Witcher 1 at some point just to kind of flesh out the lore for myself. But that's not a it's not a heavy hitter in that way. And, uh, you know, that coming out in a fall rush, you know, this October we're going to have, you know, Batman Arkham Knight. 
Uh, we're going to have a lot of big games coming out this fall. Uh, it's going to be the first real big push uh, for Christmas on next-gen consoles, um, or I guess current-gen. I don't when, <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable switching my uh, vernacular there. But uh, February, there's not going to be a lot coming out then, like, especially like a big no. AAA RPG. Like People are going to be out of their backlog. Like They're putting a big stake in the ground. <clears throat> Games are going to get out of the way of The Witcher. So I think February makes a ton of sense for them. Um, it'll sure. give that t- game more time for polish, which isn't a bad thing. And I think it kind of clears the space for them in a way that wouldn't have happened in the fall. So I, I think it makes a ton of sense for them to, to be in early 2015, even if it's disappointing that it's not coming out this year. Because, yeah, like you, I was really looking forward to it. The idea of the Witcher developers tackling a Skyrim-style open-world RPG sounds awesome. Um, yeah. Especially because combat is by far the weakest element in the Elder Scrolls series and uh, a game that tries to have some of that open world nature with like really good, fun, dynamic combat sounds, sounds really good. Yeah. And it, again, that demo looked amazing and I'm hopeful that they're able to retain that in, in the final product because it was super impressive. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, if, if it makes the game better and it makes them able to actually pull off their vision much better then this is obviously for the best. It is just my personal disappointment that I will not be playing it sooner rather than later. Yep. Yeah, that is definitely uh, definitely disappointing for sure. Um, I think that covers most of the the major news. Yeah. And Smash Brothers is going to be at Evo, which means Nintendo signed off on it. Sounds like they're still working out the streaming stuff, which uh, running theory is that that has to do with IP rights uh, that Nintendo needs to clear because of some of the characters in that game. Hopefully sure. they figure that out. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, <laughs> the people still love that game, Nintendo figure it out find a way for people to play that and love your games in a way that uh is basically free marketing uh yeah don't don't do things that make it harder for people to enjoy your games that is literally the worst thing you can do right now especially given the current precarious nation of some of their console business yep uh lead haxer asks uh thoughts on drive club will that game ever come out you know, a while ago, like even just a few weeks ago, I might have said, oh, that's a that's an overly reactionary question. That doesn't, uh, you know, that game will probably come out. But I don't know. The way they're talking about it now and the way they're saying they needed to start a bunch of stuff over and that they don't have a release date for it at this point and they kind of don't know. I don't know. Maybe that game won't come out, which would be kind of a bummer. But at the same time, they've never really shown enough of it to for me to ever get a super great impression of how well it will play. The few times I have gotten my hands on it, the driving wasn't that great. So I can understand their desire to maybe start over with some of that stuff. But I don't know. We'll see if the, the, the cost-reward you know thing kind of skews in a particular way in the next few months. Because if they're not talking about that game at E3... That's a real bad sign. Yeah, I just don't know how we go from, like, it felt, you know, we're going to get a PlayStation Plus version of the game that can then turn into the full game at launch to an early 2014 game to, well, we're starting from scratch. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, it just, that's that's really uh, strange. I mean, obviously, you know, the fact that they're willing to go, you know, whatever back the drawing board means, uh, if they're willing mm-hmm. to give that game the time to be a good game, that's awesome. You know, maybe the fact sure. that PS4 is selling as well as it is gave them the confidence to say, look, we could put this out just so we've got another game out there. But you know what? You know, the, the machine's selling well. People are excited about uh, buying the console. Uh, 
why not give that game the time it needs uh, in order to be a good game uh, rather than just getting it out to fill a hole in the schedule? You know, that's the most positive way to look at that. Um, and But if that is the case, you know, that's that's op- that's nice. Like the fact that they would give that game the time to breathe and become the good game that uh, it potentially could. I don't care about that game one way or the other. I just don't really play racing games. But, you know, for people who are interested in those, that seems that seems like that's maybe a good way for that to end up. Yeah, I mean, I, I am definitely the audience for that game. I, I like, you know, drivey, drivey, vroom, vroom games. And that is, you know, the, some of the ideas they were talking about with some of the, the, the car club stuff and whatever all sounded, you know, totally up my alley. But uh, nothing of what I've actually played of it and what I've seen of it has super impressed me. And so them going back to the drawing board or whatever, you know, at least gives me some hope that they realize that that game was not good and that they, they have to do something. I just know that whenever... Games like that, that, you know, when they get that far into their development cycle and suddenly are back to the drawing board, that's how you end up with shit like This Is Vegas or whatever, you know, <laughs> things that are announced and and maybe shown here and there. And it's like, oh, hey, cool, that never existed. That just that just never came to fruition. So I'm Man. hoping it doesn't end up like that. But this is yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Remember, This Is Vegas. Remember that uh, game? Someone needs to leak a build of that game. Yeah. Gross. Never going to happen. Um, those posers ask, did you guys see the MPD numbers? Do you care about them or think they matter? I saw them. No, I don't care. Yes, they probably yeah. matter. I mean, they matter to people who are in the business side of things and need these numbers to sort of justify, you know, one decision or another or just, you know, just to help, just to, you know, bolster investors or whatever. But, like, you know, in this case... Does it matter that the Xbox One made slightly more money than the PS4, but sold like fairly similar numbers of consoles? Not really. I mean, it's just it, it, the only thing that you can take away from those numbers is that, hey, consoles are selling. So that's a good thing. Um, there still probably need to be more games for both those systems, but at least the systems are selling. So that's something. That's a bit of positive news, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I getting caught up in the monthly NPD game is is not not something I find particularly interesting. Right. So. Uh, yes, of course they matter. Sales matter. Uh, you need sales for all this to work. But uh, in terms of us, you know, hand wringing too much over the month-to-month sales of these consoles, like, eh, eh. eh. So that's gonna do it for us. What uh, what are you gonna play this weekend? More Titanfall? Oh uh, yeah, more Titanfall. And then, um, well, as the uh, the panels for PAX East were announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past week uh you might have noticed that i am on a panel uh on sunday morning in which myself and 29 other uh various uh people that you may have heard of including our own jeff gersman will be participating in an n64 wrestling game royal rumble uh to for the delight of the crowd and so i'm i have already started digging through those games and started uh practicing to make sure that i am the supreme champion of all things royal rumble come pax east it's so a great idea for a panel i genius i was laughing yeah. my ass off when i saw just the concept and it's perfect for packs like the idea yep. of a bunch of uh industry idiots getting together to play uh do you know which version of the game you're playing like is it no Mercy? no so that's the thing so this is all aaron trites from harmonics is doing this was his baby this is his project uh and he is the one managing all of this stuff he has not said for sure what game it's going to be yet. He said he will let us know sometime beforehand, but that he is still figuring it out. 
So I have already dug out uh, WCW Revenge, uh, WrestleMania 2000, and No Mercy, and I've already been playing all three of them just in case you know it's one that I don't suspect, and so I'm just so I'm versed in all of them. That's the kind of stupid and ridiculous I'm getting about this. I am going to take it so seriously. It's got to be Revenge or No Mercy, right? Like it can't be. Like why would you choose a different one? Well, so it. There's a couple of reasons. If you chose WrestleMania 2000, it's because probably the Royal Rumble mechanics in that one are better than the other two. Some of the so like, there's some weird design choices in some of those games where like the battle royals don't work as well. Is I don't WrestleMania know why. 2000 mechanically similar to Revenge? Yeah, it's the same. It's oh, the, it's, okay. the, it's right. the Aki. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's but it's, it's all okay. the Aki wrestling games. So it's all it's you got one an N64 controller another. and you have to move your freaking palm around the analog stick to get out of a grapple. Yep. Yeah, it's and it's not yeah, it's not going to be like, you know, WWF Warzone or okay. fucking WCW Backstage Brawl or some bullshit. Like okay. that's not going to happen. I guess so. I didn't play WrestleMania 2000. I I played a lot of Revenge and No Mercy though. Yeah. A lot it'll, of time It'll it'll be one of those creator, games. Uh, section. Yeah, we'll uh we'll make uh, I did you make one of yourself? Did you make your own wrestler no, that was like a little Patrick? I, I think we were often like bringing in like wrestlers from like the WWF and stuff like that before sure, the sure. happened. Makes sense. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, so that's that's going to be a, a chunk of my weekend is uh, continuing to rehearse for all of that. And I don't know, maybe at some point I'll cut a dumb promo video or something for the Internet. Yep, that sounds really good. Pat great. Bear has already done that. So, you know, I've got I've got already got a, a, a bar to cross. So we'll see. Yeah. So that, that sounds really excited. Uh, I'm I'll I'll be there. I'm not participating in the Royal Rumble, but I'll be mocking uh, those participating uh, as I'm, you should. I, I am on, you know, we're the, the Giant Bomb panel is on Saturday mm-hmm. night at like 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, which I think is the latest we've done one of these. Um, and and then I have a panel on uh, Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. I think like 4 o'clock with Zoe Quinn, uh, in which uh, we'll be talking about uh, internet commentary and abuse and, uh, you know, with a focus on uh, how people uh, can help uh, to uh, help others cope with stuff like that, and then uh, to think about the way you conduct yourself on the internet. It's kind of an adapted version of uh, the TEDx talk I gave, and then uh, Zoe will be talking uh, about sort of her uh, experience trying to get uh, Depression Quest on Steam Greenlight, which is full of horrible, horrible stories, uh, mm-hmm. of which some will be shared uh, at PAX East. Um, but that's pretty soon. That's like a month from now, or if not a little less. I should probably book a flight or think about booking a flight. Uh, to not go a bad idea. There. Um, but that I'm going to drive. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Why not? I mean, it's like a three hour drive for three and a half hour drive from New York. So, I mean, you know, might as well. Great. Great. Yeah. Don't you normally take yeah. a train? Normally I take a train. I felt like driving. I'm okay. going to drive. Fair enough. Well, that's going to do it for bomb in the Air with scoops and the wolf. Uh, we will not be back next Monday or Friday, but, uh, we'll yep. see how my GDC schedule works out. Maybe we'll try and, find some time to do a live check-in uh, during GDC. But obviously at uh, night, uh, we are going to have um, some GDC uh, shows, I think on Wednesday and Thursday is the current plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will probably try and be on the podcast as well. But I have a pretty busy schedule uh, the early part of next week uh, doing a bunch of interviews. So you can look forward to all sorts of dump trucking uh, next week uh, in addition to awesome. – uh, whatever else we we managed to see and to play. So uh, follow my Twitter feed for some more updates on things like that. But other than that, Alex, I will uh, I will not see you in San Francisco. So I will see you uh, here again in, in like a week and a half. Best of luck at the show. Hope you have a good time. And uh, as always, oh.